The gospel is good news for bad people through the finished work of Christ on the cross and the endless power of the Holy Spirit. That's what the gospel is. And if I'm going to be a gospel preacher, that is going that had better be obvious. That better not be an afterthought. If people have to surmise that that's what I believe from what I'm preaching, I'm failing. If it's super obvious and unmistakable and and clear, then I'm doing my job. Hey, welcome to the Expositors Collective Podcast, episode 317. I'm your host, Mike Neglia. And this is no secret, but I've been very benefited and encouraged and helped by Ray Ortland's writings and particularly his preaching. Uh, And that's why I was thrilled to be able to have him back on the show for the third time. We speak about lessons that he's learned as he's growing older, uh, the importance that he sees in passing on gospel culture to the next generation of leaders and servants in Christ's church, and also his latest book that he's co-written with Sam Albury. The book is called You're Not Crazy, Gospel Sanity for Weary Churches. It's put out by our friends at Crossway Publishing. And actually, Sam was supposed to join us for this conversation, but he was unable to make it. So it's me and Ray talking about wisdom that he's gained throughout the ages and what that can mean to you and your Bible teaching ministry. If you do teach the Bible in any capacity, if you are a women's ministry director, a Sunday school teacher, a church planter, or a senior pastor, I hope that you would consider joining us May 24th and 25th in Pleasanton, California. It's the East Bay area of San Francisco County. Uh, It's a, a great opportunity to come together with other Bible students and Bible teachers. We're gonna have a two day training event. This will actually be our 15th in-person training event. And guys, they keep getting better. We keep learning and improving how to make the experience beneficial to all who attend. So if you are in the Bay Area, or if you're able to travel and get there, this is something for you to come to, to bring somebody that you're mentoring or to bring your whole team. Uh, We think this is something that's beneficial for the brand new Bible teacher or even for the seasoned or experienced preacher who wants a bit of a boost in your Bible teaching ministry. May 24th, May 25th, our pre-registration early bird discount is gone live. You can find it there at our website, expositors.co or expositorscollective.com. Anyway, here's my conversation with Ray Orland. All right. Hey, welcome to the Expositors Collective Podcast. Honored to have as a third time guest, uh, Pastor Dr. Ray Orland. Welcome back. Thanks, Mike. Great to be with you and with our listening friends. Yeah. Yeah. It's an honor to speak to you once and twice. And third time is a charm. So not as charming as it could have been because I was we were supposed to have this as a three-way conversation, you, me, and Sam Albury, but he's not able to make it. 
Oh, I know. It's so disappointing. You're stuck with me today. We're you could so, well, have Sam Alberry for crying out loud. We're struggling along. We'll manage yeah. somehow. <laughs> well, I want to, I, I want to, yeah, I suppose I've really loved listening along to the You're Not podcast and then to see that some of that content has been repurposed and and republished but before we talk about the book i just want to say like what do you think about podcasting how do you like podcasting okay now this i apologize for this in advance i almost never listen to podcasts we're done we're done <laughs> let's just let's just reschedule when sam can be I know. here <laughs> yeah okay. look i'm 74 years old you yeah. know i'm not cool you guys i leave it with y'all you're amazing hmm. well okay but so you don't listen to many of them but you create them now so w- when i say like what do you think of podcasting I, I i mean what does it mean for you to be a podcaster wow i i, I honestly i that thought never occurred to me. Oh, really? You know that when you talk with Sam, it's recorded and then other people <laughs> listen to it. That's called podcasting. That's fascinating. I mm. thank you for pointing that out. <laughs> All right. So any deep thoughts on on being a podcaster? Well, obviously, I, I, I don't understand uh, technology. I don't like technology and it doesn't like me. So okay. we're it's 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 mutual. But what it is is yet another megaphone to get the gospel out to more people and and to reassure more pastors that they're not crazy they do matter the work is worthy of our best and worthy of our all and it is a privilege to be a brother pastor to every single pastor who's listening to us right now that is a sacred privilege god has given me I I cherish that privilege. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so it's a it's another means to that end which you believe that yeah even at this stage of your life or for the entirety of it to I think isn't your your title uh, as like pastor emeritus or but you're, it's not emeritus it's a you're pastor to pastors is that it? Right at Emmanuel Church in Nashville. Yeah. Yeah, so you're pastoring them but then through in, in let's say a lowercase p, you are a pastoral voice to to many, uh, myself included, and those who listen to the "You're Not Crazy" podcast and benefit from your writing. So, well, hey, thanks, Mike. I sure want to be, and here's why. One of the great things about being older now is I don't matter. I don't need a job. I'm not a threat to somebody else's ambitions and desires. Um, I don't matter. You're you and your generation. You're the ones who matter now. And I have the privilege of giving myself as much as I can, as well as I can to you Hmm. and to the rising generation of pastors. I find that so freeing and, and, and thrilling. All I want to do is um, I want to do that well till the day I die. And keel over mm-hmm. a battered old brontosaurus and go to heaven. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, you're you're doing it. On that note, could I ask you a question? Um, I see a skull uh, behind behind you <laughs> on over your top right shoulder. There's a, there's a skull there. Um, it's it's up higher. Uh, I I bet there's a story behind that. Why 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 do you have that in your office? Well, a good answer would be, why not? 
Why don't no. why don't you have a skull in your mouth? <laughs> now the answer is it's a it was a tradition in the medieval period that a scholar would have a skull on his desk to remind him of his own mortality. So that's why that skull is there. It is That's uh, what I figured. Yeah, I'm not I Mike, I'm not afraid of dying. Now maybe maybe Mike in the last minute I'll chicken out. Okay, so I have to put my trust in the Lord. But I remember my dad, when he was a pastor, telling the congregation about a lady who had died, a member of the church, earlier that week. You know how he characterized her death? She was released from this life. Hmm. I've never forgotten that. That's what Christian death is. It's a release from everything that holds us down, everything that holds us back. And we're finally free and fully happy. So the idea of being fully happy is not a threat. <laughs> it's an incentive. Yeah. And having having that skull around you or just that kind of memento mori um, yeah. awareness, um, how does that influence the things that you do in that office? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I have no time to waste on secondary matters. It focuses me. And also, secondly, it keeps me grateful. Just a few minutes ago, I was thanking the Lord that on this day of grace, December 12th, in, in this year of grace, 2023, mm -hmm. I get to sit down at my desk with Mike and our, our friends who are listening and, um, and think, about, think out loud together about the things that, that ultimately matter. What a privilege. Yeah. I'm I'm so grateful I can do this. Yeah. I'm not stuck with something that is tawdry and second rate. God has given me something that I'm reaching for by faith and repentance and it is worthy of my all. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and one of those things that that matters um is uh is the topic of like preaching preaching Christ. Um that's that's one of the chapters of your recently published book, co-authored uh, yourself and Sam Albury. Uh, there's lots of topics that are wonderful in this book, but kind of to fit the remit of the Expositors Collective podcast, there's a chapter there called Let Christ Preach. And and in it, your co-author, uh, Sam, it's largely his voice in that section. He talks about like a, a journey of discovery that he went on, um, changing his understanding of preachings, um, I guess the preparation, the delivery, the feedback. Um, when when he was writing that, or when you were talking through those, did you have any similar processes of discovery about uh, the purpose of preaching or the role of Christ in preaching? Oh, Mike, my preaching has really changed over the years. Um, I think I, maybe I mentioned to you before, I forget. Um, but I, I found a box of hard copy sermons of mine from the eighties. Did I tell you about this? You, you did, but that was a long time ago. And who knows okay. if the other people have listened that far back. I'd, I'd love to hear it again. Well, very unwisely, I read a few of those and they were just horrible. Uh, in, at, at one level, they were, they, I showed diligence. I, I deeply cared. I was. I was responsible, I was faithful to what I knew, but um, my, my sermons, there was not enough gospel. There was not enough Jesus. 
they were expositional and um and they were serious and what sam was saying in that chapter of you're not crazy is where i found myself by god's grace after decades of preaching horrible sermons where basically i was exhorting people to do better try harder pedal faster and Sam and I both have just stumbled into the green pastures and beside the still waters of preaching Christ. And preaching, now, does that include exhortation? Yes, but exhortation used to be my primary Got it, yeah. mode in preaching. Now it's something I insert along the way at times, and the primary message, the primary emphasis, the primary vibe is... Christ in his grace and glory for defeated um, underachievers like me. Yeah. Yeah. And so that has, yeah. And in fact, I, I like the line that Sam puts. He says that in his, many of his sermons con- contained too much exegesis and not enough Jesus on page 76, 76 on, on my edition of the book. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and so whereas, yeah, he and you have always been exegetical and always been explaining terminologies than how they fit with with everything. Um, yeah, there's been a, a shift in highlighting not just, I guess, our call to imitate Christ, which is real and actual, yeah, but sure. his his presence and his care and his love for us. Yeah. Well, the gospel is good news. For bad people, through the finished work of Christ on the cross and the endless power of the Holy Spirit. That's what the gospel is. Mm-hmm. And if I'm going to be a gospel preacher, that is going that had better be obvious. That better not be an afterthought. Sure. If people have to surmise that that's what I believe from what I'm preaching, I'm failing. Yeah. If it's super obvious and unmistakable. Yeah. And and clear, then I'm doing my job. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. What so I'm saying in that I'm sorry, go ahead. You were just you're you're explaining on behalf what what is Sam saying? I'm yeah. I'm ready to listen. Well, the, 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 let me make sure I'm going to tell you that. <laughs> yeah, let Christ preach yeah. is the title of the chapter. Let Christ preach, and he takes that right from Ephesians. Christ preached peace, mm-hmm. and so forth. And it's also, you know, the famous chap, uh, verse here in um, uh, Romans 10, how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? Yeah. And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach in, unless they are sent, and so forth? But there's a translation problem there. Is there? Uh, yeah. Um, there, the English sentence says, and how were they to believe in him, the hearers of this preaching? How were they to believe in Jesus of whom they have never heard? But that's not the right translation. The word of should not be there. It should say, and how are they to believe in him whom they have never heard? The verb akuo, construed with the genitive case, that genitive case is the direct object. It's not hearing of someone, it's hearing someone. For example, mm-hmm. in the uh, gospel narrative of the transfiguration, the father says, this is my beloved son in whom I'm yeah. well pleased. Hear, Hear him, him, listen to him. And it's akua with the genitive case. 
So hearing people believe in Jesus as they hear him in the gospel. Something miraculous happens in gospel preaching. So there's just a fallible guy standing there preaching, Mike, Ray, Sam, somebody. We're opening up the Bible and we're lifting up Jesus in his grace and glory for the undeserving. And we're giving out good news for bad people through him. It's something happens. The Holy Spirit enters in and turns the ordinary into the miraculous. And I'm I'm just this, you know, sincere but preaching doofus, perhaps. And 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 Christ Himself is heard at the level of the soul. People are sitting there and people are being converted because they're hearing Christ himself speak. Uh, John Stott, in his uh, wonderful book on uh, the pastoral ministry, says it's preaching that makes the historic scriptures a living word today in the Mm. world today. Yeah. Jesus himself is heard in our preaching when the message is truly good news for bad people and when the manner and the motive are Christ-like and sincere and anointed. Yeah, and that that concept was a little bit um, surprising or or sh- alarming to me when I first came across it. So, um, reading from Calvin and and so this is going back fifteen or so years ago. Just thinking, wait, so Jesus is speaking through my bad sermons or or through through so and so's bad sermons um that was kind of took a while to to understand that but as, as you're saying it's kind of like he he works with and then does so much more than what we have to offer as his gospel is going out and we all know what it's like to preach and we finish we sit down we think that was that was pathetic and somebody's life has changed in a wonderful way yeah. And um, Jay, I've got a book over here uh, by J.I. Packer on prayer. And he wonderfully says in that book, God fixes our prayers on their way up. Wow. And I think it's similarly true. God fixes our sermons on their way out. Yeah. So we we just put our trust in him and keep going. Wow. Yeah. So thank you. We we believe in the power of, of preaching. I know this is important to, to us, especially if what you just said is true, and it is. So that's powerful. Now, in this book, there's seven chapters, and it's all about uh, gospel sanity, gospel culture, how it impacts our churches. I wonder, I I noticed that chapter five is about preaching. That's like the final third of the book. My question to you is, why isn't preaching chapter one? That's a great question. If preaching is powerful, then then in fact, why are there any other chapters at all? If all we need is good, faithful preaching to create gospel culture, well, then why talk about these other things? Mike, that is such a great question. Um, I was thinking about this very matter last evening. When I planted a Presbyterian church, PCA church, Presbyterian Church in America, um, in the 1980s, I properly revered the ministry of preaching, but I undervalued the ministry of pastoring. And I actually believed preaching would do everything. And, you know, in God's mercy and grace, a church was planted and it's still there. 
but no thanks to me. Um, well, I, how, it's we have to nuance this because the preaching did some good by God's grace for His glory. Yeah. yeah. But preaching is only meant to be a, a a glorious voice, gospel voice within a larger relational context. I mean, think of First uh, Thessalonians, for example. Repeatedly, Paul says, "I long to see you." I I I desire uh, to see you. He uses emotional language. Look at look at the uh, letters of Paul. There's a lot of theology there, but I'll tell you what. Second uh, Corinthians is a very striking example. I sat uh, through a course on Second Corinthians with Murray Harris. He's a world class Second Corinthians scholar at Trinity decades ago. He said the Greek syntax of 2 Corinthians is actually sort of disrupted and disturbed because Paul is so upset as he writes it. Mm. And what's he upset about? The relationship with the Corinthians. Mm. And he, the humanity of Paul, his, his tenderness, his heart, his relational yearning pours out in his letters. And it's that pastoral, emotional, relational context within which preaching really resonates. When people come to church and they hear a clear gospel word from a pastor and they know, they feel he cares deeply about them. Does he care about the message? Yes. He, it's not an either or, it's a both end. He also cares about them. That's when people sit on the edge of their seats. They really listen. Yeah. So so my point, Mike, sorry to interrupt, but we need all the other chapters as well as the chapter of preaching. Absolutely. And I got to say, that was a softball. I know that there's more to it than only sure. and ever and ever sure. preaching. But of course, the types of people that listen to podcasts about preaching, we're, we're convinced of the importance of it. And then maybe we particularly need to be reminded of the the matrix, the the womb, the culture around it that creates the preaching to some degree, but then maybe more so is created by the preaching, but it's a, it, it, it goes back and forth, doesn't it? It ebbs and flows. And the, oh, someone said that um, the pulpit is like the, the bow of the ship, you know, that it cuts through, that it cuts through the water, but we need more than just the bow, don't we? Yeah. Yeah. The pulpit is the prow of the world. You know where that is? That is in uh, Herman Melville. No. Yes. Yes. Moby Dick. It, 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 okay. Yeah. Herman okay. Melville yeah. Yeah. And Father Father Maple. I don't know. Yeah. I'll I'll defer to you. It's, it's one of the most eloquent descriptions of the dignity and gravitas of preaching I've ever seen. Yeah. In Moby Dick. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well. Yeah. Thanks. So. So I guess on that. So the idea of you know. Preaching is important. The pulpit is important. The last time, I don't know if you recall, but you were on this show, I think about a year and a half ago. And I was asking you, what is it like to no longer preach with the same regularity that you used to? And I asked you, like, what's it like to be like an attender at, at church, realizing that you still do minister and serve and are guest speakers. And um, you said, if I recall, you said that you don't know, it's all still too new to tell. And you're not really good at it yet. So I want to kind of circle back. So like a year and a half later, what's it like to be an attender, a member at a church? And then how do you listen to sermons well? Assuming that you listen to them well. Maybe you don't. Maybe it's still hard. 
I, I, I don't do it well. I'm, I, I'm finding it difficult. Um, and it's not because the preachers that I'm hearing aren't great. They're great at it. But um, for, let's see, I was ordained in 1975 and stepped out of the senior pastor position at Emmanuel Church in 2019. So for a long time, many, yeah. many years, yeah, I was uh, preaching regularly. Even when I taught at Trinity for those nine years, about 50 weeks, 50 Sundays out of the year, I was preaching somewhere. And uh, it's humbling, Mike, uh, to surrender that level of involvement and lose and surrender um, the profound satisfaction. I mean, Mike, you know how profoundly satisfying it is to, to pray and study and labor toward the delivery of a sermon. Then you stand there and you, 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 you pour your heart out and, um, and, and pour your message out and you go home and take a nap. And it's really profoundly satisfying. And not gradually, but suddenly, from one Sunday to the next in 2019, it's gone. Yeah. Uh, that I did not foresee uh, what a challenge that would be, but it is really good for me, and and just underlines and accents all the more clearly the privilege that God is giving me now of investing in other younger men. They're the ones who matter now. Yeah. Yeah. How, how are you trying? So when you, so it sounds like, and, and yeah, envy is way too strong of a word and that kind of is, is it, but is there a sense that you feel kind of like, I wish that was, I wish I was able to do that again or, or more. And then how are you trying to kind of bring kind of a holy urge mix in with that? Mm -hmm. I think I've just, you know, deeply accepted as okay. God's will for me, where I am, what I'm doing. And um, Mike, I, I so don't feel irrelevant or, um, you know, put out to pasture. I mean, I feel so involved. It's just, a, it just looks different now. Sure. Yeah. And okay. And, and let's always remember this. Okay. We're just lucky to have a job, right? I mean, we're all knuckleheads. Yeah. That's right. And that the Lord gives us anything to do for his glory, that is such a grace. Yeah. I'm yeah. just Yeah. Well, we had we had a, a guest on the show a while ago, Dr. Jim Wilson, and then he was speaking about um kind of the the discipline of listening to sermons well. And he is, you know, lectured in homiletics. He he's understand, but then he he attends church and he listens to to people preach. And he certainly could give constructive feedback but he tries very hard to listen first as a Christian and and to not even give feedback unless he specifically asked for it. Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Do you find yourself biting your tongue? Now, again, I, I know that you sit under a lot of really good preaching, uh, but how how is Ray Ortland as a Christian uh, listening and experiencing Bible teaching? Mm -hmm. if, if someone doesn't ask me my opinion, that's yeah. significant. Okay, okay. To offer an opinion that is not requested implies criticism and that just it's like every one of us has a, a bank within 
a fund of goodwill toward those around. And I I want I don't want to make withdrawals on um, the fund of goodwill in others around me. I just want to keep making deposits. Um, so I, I try to be very sensitive. What would I say that would make a deposit in their bank of goodwill? Mm-hmm. What might I say that would make a withdrawal? Yeah. And un- unless they ask me for my opinion, then any any opinion I offer would actually be making withdrawal from their fund of goodwill. I don't want to do that. Okay. Okay. Well, I've I've I feel that maybe I've hovered around this too too much, asking too many questions on this same topic. But yeah, thank you, thank you very much. And if you ever want to critique someone's sermon, you know, right, boy, I would I would love some feedback from <laughs> from you. I'll send you a YouTube link if you want to let me have it. But um, here's the so I've I, I've as I mentioned at the, at the beginning, I've actually really enjoyed. I love the "You're Not Crazy" podcast. It just finished up season three. My first question is: Will there be a season four? Well, actually, we're talking about that right now. Well, can I vote that you that you should? I, okay. I, 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 <laughs> I, I yeah, if, if that could come into the conversation. Let me ask you, sure. If <clears throat> if we were to do a season four, what would be topics or, um areas of discussion that would that you would recommend um let's say let's say like staff stroke team relationships how can there be like a a a a culture of like healthy respect of different levels like amongst the elders amongst volunteers um you know different churches have different ecclesiologies and leadership structures but how can this go beyond let's say the pastor goes to a conference gets benefited from something and then how does that communicate with the the church culture and church staff i've learned that's something to be very very important and then also i just i really liked the last season just going through a book this kind of conversational exposition i i certainly did enjoy that i don't know if that's back on the table or or not but I would I would like that type of stuff. How does gospel sanity look like at an elders meeting? How does gospel sanity look like at a staff meeting or ministry heads, whatever the terminology is? So helpful. Thank you. Well, so okay. So maybe if there's a fourth season, I'd I'd love that. But um I've I've noticed that, yeah. As you were journeying through to Timothy. Uh, two questions come up. Like number one, like why did you pick two Timothy? Why is that a book worth studying? And then, as a companion, you were using John Stott's commentary, and I, I wanted to ask why he's a good commentary writer. Yeah, Second Timothy is just it is one of the pastoral epistles, and it was written by an older, seasoned man who is about to die. And anyone who's about to die who is a, a Christian of, of depth and consequence, <laughs> you want to listen to those to that kind of person. Sure. So here's no, these are his last words as he's speaking into and lifting up and investing in a young pastor, the rising generation, man alive. How could we not talk about Second Timothy? Hmm. And then John Stodd for, oh man. John Stott, J.I. Packer, Derek Kidner, and Alec Motier are my favorite modern Bible expositors. And here's what they all have in common. 
deep concepts expressed in in plain language. And John Stott was also masterful at discerning the logical structure and outline and flow of a passage. Mm. He he had an uncanny ability to discern that and explain that, such that I would read the passage, be rather confused, read Stott on the passage, look back at the passage and think, oh, of course, that's what it means. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing. His outlines are so simple. You're sometimes surprised. Oh, why didn't I see that? Yeah. Uh, just the way that he organizes. Yes. Great thinkers, great thinkers and great expositors don't use big, clunky, technical words without explaining them. They use simple, plain, understandable, direct words, short sentences that that help, that that serve entry-level Christians like 99% of us. Yeah. yeah. Aren't we all entry-level? Yeah. Aren't we all? And so you chose the John Stott commentary. If you were to have used two companion commentaries, uh, who was, what would have been the second book that you would have used for 2 Timothy? Yeah. Uh, two immediately come to mind. One, H.C.G. Mole. M-O-U-L-E, but pronounced mole. Um, Anglican scholar and pastor uh, from the early, late 19th, early 20th century. Anything mole writes on the New Testament, grab it. He is insightful, reverent, eloquent. And uh, I always benefit from him. The other on uh, the pastorals is J.N.D. Kelly, K-E-L-L-Y. A different kind of commentary. He has a lot of very searching um, technical scholarship under the surface of what he writes. But what he writes at the surface of the text of his commentary sums up that uh, deep scholarship and expresses it well. He's a very clear thinker. And all three, Stott, Mole, and Kelly, show good judgment along the way. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks. Well, yeah, I I enjoyed the third season. It's been nice to yeah have to overhear as yourself and Sam are talking through it, and I like the second season. But I gotta say, the first season it just came out at at just the right time. And I don't know if you heard about this from other people, but for for me and then a few of my of my friends. And I I don't want to get into too much of this of this backstory, but you know just um. Your episodes were coming out at the same time as, you know, another podcast, the the rise and fall of of Mars Hill. Uh, they were coming out at about the same time. And, mm-hmm. you know, I was, of course, interested in in each of those, but had to even structure my listening to make sure that uh, you guys got the last word, that there was, you know, hope for healthy churches and creating good gospel culture uh, rather than a I think obviously a um, a slanted view, uh, an, an autopsy of something that didn't end well, but then it was definitely emphasizing the negativity and kind of some of the gore of it all. And then hearing you guys talk through, and of course it was not a ping pong back and forth, but like talking about church health, how to create it, the beauty that could be there and the work that good anonymous leaders can put into it that do create uh, the types of environments that we want our kids to grow up in and that we want to leave as a, as a gift to the next generation. We really do. 
we deep that deeply, profoundly, earnestly desire that. Uh, we don't want to leave a mess for our children to clean up. Yeah. What a betrayal of their trust and a neglect yeah. of their need. Um, yeah, I wish the, I mean, the 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 Mars Hill uh podcast is brilliant and really well done. I wish they would do a follow-up on pastors and churches and denominations and movements and ministries that have done well yeah and that have walked in integrity i i really think that's called for um and if they would take the brilliance they put into the mars hill podcast and 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 flip it into uh, the mirror image of of mars hill i think that would be a tremendous service to all of us yeah yeah, and I think uh, yeah, Trevin Wax put together a, a podcast similar. Yeah, there's there's been attempts to do so. They're they're out there, but the the particular moment, the time that it hit. Anyway, that's it goes beyond the remit of of what we want to talk about. But just want to say that yeah, yours was like to say a palate cleanser. That doesn't do it. That doesn't do it justice. But it was just a bit of refreshment. <laughs> you know, it was really refreshing, and I I had to like you know. Again, that was during lockdown as well, too. It's like the 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 world was so small. The things that we were listening to actually impacted us so so much. And so, uh, season one just came at the right time. And I really want to thank you for that. And hope there's a season four. Mike, I'm really glad to hear that because um, faithful pastors are the heroes of this world. Uh, they are not celebrated. Uh, as they should be, this world has all the wrong heroes. But a faithful pastor who yields his life to Christ, dies to his own selfishness, and puts the Lord and others first, and just steadily, faithfully, powerfully advances the gospel in his place and time, that man is a hero. And anything I can do, and Mike, I know you feel exactly the same way. Sam sure does. Mm. Anything we can do to put fresh energy into those heroic pastors out there, boy, let's do it. Let's never stop. Yeah. Yeah. As um, Hebrews 6 says that God is not unjust so as to overlook your work and the love that you have shown in his name in the serving the saints, as you still do. And we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness and have the same full assurance of hope until the end, so that you may not become sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Amen. Yeah, just wonderful. Like on the one hand, encouraging those that are working now, um, verse 10, and then in verse 12, it's like, let's let's seek out, let's highlight, let's, let's have the right kind of heroes, Amen. as you just said. That is really good. I hadn't thought of it that way. Let's have the right kind of heroes. Yeah. Imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think think that's a good place to to park it. Okay. Uh, maybe, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. One one final question, maybe a, a quicker one. I I appreciate you. You said it at the beginning, and I've heard you say it before. Like you know, you want to invest in like the younger, or the next, the young generation, and you keep on like pointing at me. But like, but Ray, I'm forty. Um, how and and, and I'm still. I feel like I'm kind of younger. And me and my peers, we're we're like we're the younger generation. But I I do know that in the 
in the the Jesus movement and in these like great times of renewal and revival that have come that like the younger generation was a whole lot younger than us. Um, what are the I don't know, parting words of advice? Like, how can I and other people that have been called young our whole lives, but we're not really that young anymore? Like, I have an 18 year old son. Like, he's young. <laughs> I'm not young. Um, what's the ways that we can be, yeah, in a non cheesy way? Um, encouraging and enriching those that are like truly the next generation. Mike, I believe that uh, when a guy hits 40 or thereabouts, uh, whether he realizes it or not, he inherits a new responsibility, which he is going to bear for the rest of his life. And that is to turn around, to not stop thinking of himself only, but turn around, look behind him at the guys who are in their 20s, teens, 20s, and 30s, and invest in them. Yeah. if if you will, and here's, I think of it as the two G's, gather gospel, gather younger men, and gospel younger men, hmm. gospel used as a verb, get, pull guys together, and for example, uh, I, I don't know if it's still on the Redeemer.com website, but Tim Keller years ago put together a, a PDF small group discussion mechanism called gospel Christianity. And it's basically, it's just systematic theology with a gospel Tim Kellerish kind of um, slant. And I don't mean that in a negative way, but in a very positive way. Yeah. It's basic systematic theology designed for small group discussion. And so I, I bought it, downloaded it, copied it. And I just went maniacal. Um, gathering groups of young men, gather gospel, gather gospel, gather gospel, just do it, keep doing it, do it again. And you'll leave behind uh, younger men who know that they matter, and they know that Jesus is sufficient. And they have categories in their minds uh, for reading the Bible and navigating life. Now, Mike, if we can leave behind um groups of men wherever we go who are richer, stronger, more resilient, more hopeful, more courageous because we interacted with them through Christ, that is a life well lived. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do it. Yeah. It's so inspiring. Yeah. 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 And do you know what? Right after this, I actually have, um, I'm, I, I'm, I'm gathering my, 2024 group of guys. Um, so they've all, I've actually, yeah, there's, there's three guys that I've baptized in the past year. And so we're going to be going through like a, a, a discipleship course. Yeah. Um, uh, we're going through J.I. Packers, Knowing God. But um, all of a sudden, I just made a note. Maybe instead we'll go through that Redeemer content. <laughs> but, um, but I've already bought the copies of Knowing God. So we'll probably do and that. And they're both great. Yeah, certainly, certainly. Well, that's that's great. It's 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 inspiring. I I want to do that. I want to leave that legacy. I want to leave Ireland better than I found it. I want to leave the planet better than I found it. Those are like those are very like um, I don't know. It's very uh, it it could sound quite egotistical. Um, but that's not that's not the case. It's that I don't think I have much to give, but I've I've actually received so much, and I want to pass on that that which has been entrusted to me, as you know, Paul tells us Timothy, pass it on to faithful men who will do likewise. That's right. All right. Well, you know what? We missed having Sam here, but I I think I think we managed to have a, a stimulating <laughs> okay. conversation regardless of his absence. 
Well, thanks for letting me be with you, be with you today. Absolutely. If there's a fourth time, that'd be a real treat. But um, thank you so much, Ray, for investing in the the, the middle-aged generation and then even, even the younger generation. Uh, we're better off for it. Thank you so much. Well, hey, thanks for listening all the way to the end. Uh, you might have noticed that Ray dropped a lot of commentary, recommendations, and resources that were mentioned. I've done all that I can to collect links to all of those, and you can find them in the show notes of this episode. Also, the Trevin Wax podcast that I thought of is actually called Reconstruction, and I've included a link to that in the show notes as well. Listen, I just want to help you grow in your personal study and public proclamation of God's word. And so that I want to do that through conversations like this, but also through pointing you towards resources that can continue that process of growth and improvement. I'd love to see you May 24th and 25th in Pleasanton, California. Uh, but nevertheless, whether I do or don't, I'll catch you next Tuesday for the next episode of the Expositors Collective Podcast. This podcast is a part of CGN Media, a podcast network that points to Christ. We are supported by listeners like you. To help us create more great shows, visit cgnmedia.org support.